What Up World! It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond, and you are listening to an emergency edition of Locked on Blazers, available wherever you get podcasts and now also on YouTube. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't. This is emergency episode. It's brought to you by BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They got more lines, more props, more odds than ever before, so head on over to BetOnline.net and get in on the action. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. This emergency episode is because the Blazers made a trade. Out goes Norman Powell. Out goes Robert Covington. And in comes Eric Bledsoe, Keon Johnson, Justice Winslow, and a 2025 second-round pick that belongs to the Detroit Pistons. Okay. So let's break it all down. First of all, this was about cost cutting. Let's just cut right to it. This was about cost cutting. The Blazers save money. They went from about $3 million over the luxury tax line to a million below it. That's important for the people that own the team. It's not important for you. And quite frankly, if you are rooting for the billionaires to save money, you are doing it wrong. You are doing it wrong. That, that, that is not the way to root for your team. Um, I'll just call it like it is. But uh, the Blazers are going to be... would. Certainly going to be a tax team next year. Almost certainly going to be a tax team next year. If they're competitive, if they feel a competitive roster, they will be in the tax. That's just, it's just a given with how much money they have committed to folks and, and how much money they're likely to have committed to folks. But if they, if you're in the tax for three out of four seasons, you pay a repeater tax, it's a stiffer penalty. Your taxes go up from a dollar for every, um, for every dollar you're over to as much as 275 on the dollar for every dollar you're over the tax line. That's a lot of money for billionaires to pay sort of, but at least there's some incentive for, for ownership not to do it. That's, that is the driving force in this trade. Absolutely do not get it twisted. The driving force in this trade is financial reasons by ownership, by the Allen estate. That's why this went down. Also, the Clippers won this deal, like in the, in the, in the sort of like for flat out, like how you evaluate deals. The Clippers are the team that got better. Norman Powell's going to help the Los Angeles Clippers. Like, he's going to help. They don't have a lot of dudes who can drive to the rim. Norman Powell doesn't do a lot else, um, but he's a good offensive player. He's got some, he's in a better defensive ecosystem. He can be a better defender. He was not that really this season in Portland. He was probably a bad defender uh, by my eyeballs. So he can help him a little bit on the wing, but really what he does is he gets to the rim. He can shoot from the outside. He can shoot pull-up jumpers and he gets to the rim. That that rim pressure is going to help. Robert Covington, um, you know, just another team defender. I think if, if Rocco is not asked to be a primary defender and a ball stopper and he can be a help defender, his defensive abilities will be complemented once again. He'll look like a better basketball player. Those two guys are going to help. They're going to help the Clippers. And if the Clippers get Paul George and Kawhi Leonard back and they have Norman Powell and they keep Robert Covington, that's a team that could conceivably win the championship this season, like in a, in a couple months. And Norman and Rocco will be part of that uh, playoff rotation because they will help. The Clippers built the whole thing out of wings. They got more wings. They're better for it. But you're wondering, you're listening to this and you're like, Mike, I don't want you to tell me about the Clippers being better. Okay, let's talk about the Blazers getting worse because that's what they did. Uh, they traded for three players. They got a veteran Eric Bledsoe, veteran Justice Winslow, and rookie Keon Johnson, a 2025 second round pick from the Detroit Pistons. Uh, the 2025 pick helps. The Blazers don't have... Um, they basically have this year's pick and another one in 2027 as far as second rounders go. So getting a future second helps. The Blazers needed that. Replenish the stock. Uh, you might have wanted more. Sure. Um 
Keon Johnson, I would view him as a as the first round pick. Like if you were looking for, hey, let's trade Robert Covington for a first round value, that's your first round pick. If you're trading Norm for first round value, that's your first round pick. That's that's who they got. He's 19 years old. We'll talk about him more in a second. I asked a friend who's who's watched a bunch of Keon Johnson about him. Um, we'll give you the full scouting report in a second, but let's let's go through the other guys first. Eric Bledsoe. A bad basketball player. Uh, he was Eric Bledsoe was very good in the 2019-20 season with the Milwaukee Bucks. He was um, objectively bad the following season uh, in, with the Pelicans. Ran him out of town. He was awful. Uh, and then with the Clippers, he was just kind of ungood. <laughs> like not awful. He had, he had but not good. Like just a bad basketball player. He is due uh, 19.1 million dollars next season. So he's on the books for next year. But it's only 3.9. Only 3.9 million of that is guaranteed. That's partially guaranteed. Conceivably. I think the most likely scenario is that Bledsoe plays out the rest of the season on the Blazers and then is waived or traded in the summer. Um, it's not that simple, though, because if he gets traded in the summer, his his contract guarantees you can't trade and waive. It's not it's just not how it works. So I think the Blazers maybe eat that salary. Maybe they stretch that salary over a couple seasons. Um, it, it could happen. I, I can't. I would be surprised if Bledsoe was on the roster next year at 19 million. The reason you trade for him is because of that partial guarantee. I think he plays, you know, whatever, 18 games with Blazers, and that's the end of his career. Justice Winslow, um, a forward, he's like a, a wing by build, right? He's like six five six six, but he is—he's been best as a point guard when he has the ball in his hands, and then as like a small ball center mostly um, in, in recent seasons. He started as a point guard. Quite like Justin Winslow went to the wrong college. If you've listened to the podcast, you know that I'm a Tar Heel. So um, this isn't Duke bias. He was good his, his early in his career. He was good. But injuries have sapped him of his ability and the jump shot never came around. And Winslow, who I was very intrigued by coming out of college as kind of like a big ball handling point guardy wing, his offense has just never been there. The shooting is not there. The finishing and the ability to burst to get by people is not there. He's a negative on offense with, I guess, some defensive ability. But he's been best with the ball in his hands on offense, or playing like center, like as a as a as a the big kind of um, wonky small ball big. Um, he's probably going to play a lot of wing for the way the way the Blazers work, and that will be it will be what it is. Um, he's probably won't help. I don't, I'm not a believer that Justice Winslow is good. He's on the books for $4.1 million next season. Conceivably, he could be included in a trade because of the money, but he seems like a guy who could be, um, certainly get playing time down the stretch here and be part of some kind of plan end of the bench next season. Uh, you know, making more than the minimum, uh, just has not been a productive basketball player is, is, I believed in Justice Winslow in Miami. Ever since he left Miami, I have um, come to the realization that a, a young prospect that I liked is not very good. Uh, so that leaves us with Keon Johnson. Like I said, he could be viewed as the first round pick in this trade. He's 19 years old. He's mostly played in the G League. He's played spot minutes for the Clippers and not really. The Clippers' other rookie has, um, you know, Brandon Boston Jr. has jumped, leapfrogged him. Like I, I, didn't I didn't know this until this trade happened. I looked it up. Brandon Boston Jr. was taken deep in the second round. Keon Johnson was taken 21st in, in last year's draft, in the 2021 draft. So a guy who's taken like, you know, something like 25 picks later has earned playing time with a Clippers team that's been decimated by injuries. And Keon Johnson has not earned playing time. So I reached out to a friend, uh, Sean Coleman, host of Locked on Grizzlies and Tennessee resident, who is a big Tennessee Volunteers fan where Keon Johnson went to college, spent a year of college. And I said, Sean, I never seen Keon Johnson play one single minute. Is he good? 
Johnson spent a lot of time in the G League. He's like I said, spot minutes for the Clippers. But um, I'm not a big I'm not a big like college basketball scout guy. I I read about the draft and sort of form my opinions, but I don't um, I don't pour over the tape. I'm watching the NBA. That's where I'm spending my time. So I went to someone who spent their time uh, you know watching college basketball, watching the Tennessee Volunteers specifically. And Sean Coleman's scout is that um, maybe a, a a loose but realistic comp for Keon Johnson at his peak could be someone like Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown is a six five basketball player for the Brooklyn Nets who mostly functions best as a center on offense as a screener and roller on offense and a, and a good wing defender on defense that is what Sean projects that maybe Keon Johnson could grow into Sean told me um, shout out to Mr. Coleman shout out to the Lockdown Grizzlies in general uh, that Keon Johnson's offense is just super, super rough and just the the skill level and the production offense is way far behind. So the hope for him is that he's a really, really good athlete at 6'5 and he has some real defensive instincts and defensive intangibles and that you can build off of those defensive instincts and intangibles and the skill can come later. Uh, I want Keon Johnson to play for the Blazers. I want him to get minutes on the wing and I want to see what they have. Like I I will be disappointed if he gets Greg Browned um, and, they, and he doesn't get to play. Like Let's get Keon on the court. Let's see what he can do. And if the offense sucks, so be it. And so be it, because what this trade really signals is that the tank is here. The Blazers did not get better. I thought the approach should have been at the trade deadline to acquire some veterans, use Rocco and Norman Powell's money to acquire some veterans to that don't drastically improve you this year but conceivably you know because the injuries are just going to hold the Blazers back period you know they're going to be limited just because of their depth um, but conceivably could help you next season Eric Bledsoe's not going to help the Blazers win games next season he's not good Justice Winslow is very unlikely to help the Blazers win games next season he's not good Keon Johnson is very unlikely to help the Blazers win next season because he's 19 years old this is the tank this is the tank this is what it looks like. The Blazers were just good enough with their five-man uh, starting crew and their skeleton bench to be competitive in most games. They had a terrible week this this week, but competitive in most games when they bring it, right? With uh, Ant and CJ and Norm and Rocco and Nurk, that's five NBA players they are going to be decently competitive in games. They're not going to be that now. Um We'll see who who's who's in and who starts and who plays going forward. I'm full disclosure, I'm recording this on Friday evening, February 4th, before the Blazers play against OKC. Uh, Monday's show will recap the um, the, uh, the OKC game, will recap Saturday's game against the Bucs. Uh, conceivably, the new guys will have debuted on Saturday. The, the Blazers have announced the trade and made it official, so guys are um, in route uh, here. So con- there's a chance that we see them Saturday night. If not, we'll see them after that. But um, we'll see what happens with the, with the roster and all that stuff going forward. But like, if the Blazers were supposed to get to be improve themselves for the fall of the trade deadline, which I believed was the goal, that's not what's happened. This team, they didn't get better. Instead, they have committed to missing the playoffs and holding on to their lottery protected pick. Maybe a lottery protected pick helps them get better in the fall. And maybe that's the real commitment. Maybe Keon Johnson pops. Maybe I'm just straight up wrong about Eric Bledsoe. I don't think I am, but maybe I'm just straight up wrong. And he's a veteran who helps because of his length and his defense and his athleticism. Maybe I'm wrong about Justice Winslow and that um, the magic of the Pacific Northwest air cures his long, uh, long running back issues and long running injury history. And he kind of rekindles an offense that has never really existed in the league and becomes a, a, an elite defensive win of some sort maybe i'm wrong i don't think i'm wrong about let i don't think i'm wrong about winslow and i don't think we know enough about keon johnson but the 
someone I asked who I believe, who I truly trust in Sean Coleman thinks that Keon Johnson is a project no ways away. I asked Sean straight up, do you think Keon Johnson will be a starting level NBA player during his rookie contract? So Johnson is a, is a rookie this season, so he's got three more years left on his rookie scale deal, basically three million, three million, and four and a half million if you're into the money stuff, but like, you know, 20... 21st overall pick type of cash, the same type of money that basically uh, Nazir Little is making. And then what Sean Coleman told me, maybe, maybe he could be a starting level player. But even then, he said that might be asking a little bit much. If it, if it were to happen, it certainly was going to happen after year three is what Sean says. I trust the scout from a diehard Volunteers fan and someone who covers the NBA um, as 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 closely as Sean does. Uh, we I'll try to have um, Law Murray of the... Uh, beat writer for The Athletic. He's going to come on the show next week to tell me about more about Keon Johnson, who he's seen play in the G League. Uh, tell me more about Winslow and, and Eric Bledsoe. So be sure to listen to that one. But I think today the Blazers got worse. They got worse and they got cheaper and they got worse intentionally and cheaper intentionally. It makes you wonder what's next. And I think that's the big question we're all asking. What could be next? Is this the If this is the first domino, and the Blazers, by the time you're listening to this, either have made another crazy trade on a late Friday night or it happens next week or about a week out from the trade deadline. If they make another trade and they trade CJ McCollum and they get and they do that um, and, and improve there, sure, like, sure, we can we'll, we will reevaluate this in the context of what's next. If this is domino number one, and you got to hope it is. If this isn't domino number one, and this is just a cost-saving move, and you're getting a young prospect with a little bit of upside and a second-round pick that you need, and a couple vets that will help you be, you know, field an NBA team for the remainder of the season, this doesn't look great. This was Joe Cronin's first time to be able to put his stamp on the team. Um, and while I will say that a trade typically dictates what the market is, if you're saying, why didn't they trade Robert Covington for a better player? You got to believe that Joe Cronin was working the phones and this was the best deal they had. They wouldn't have made, they've been trying to trade Robert Covington for six weeks. They wouldn't have made this trade today, a week before the deadline, if they had heard that there was a chance that the offer was going to get better. And there's an argument for keeping Norman Powell into the summer because maybe you could make a trade then. But I'm not sure that Norman Powell and his contract was going to gain much value between now and then. You better believe that if there's a better trade out there, the Blazers would have made it. This kind of seems like the market for this group, which is an indictment of the previous uh, regime here in Portland that they didn't have uh, particularly sexy assets. It's also just kind of what happens when you go in for veterans and it doesn't work out. But here the Blazers are kind of in a weird spot. And the GM who made his first move acquired a former draft pick of the prior GM. The first, the second draft pick Neil Olshay ever made as the head of the Clippers was, was Eric frickin' Bledsoe. And that's who they bring in. This kind of feels like an Olshay move. And I want to give Joe Cronin the benefit of the doubt. I want to give Joe Cronin the benefit of the doubt. I want to say that he, he, he tried his best with a flawed roster and flawed trade assets, and this is what he came away with. And I don't think he could have done better because, quite frankly, he would have. This is a, not an impressive haul. I think this is maybe the best you could get for getting off of Norman Powell's money, allowing you to clear runway for Anthony Simons to resign, who they could have signed anyways. They're owned by a billion dollar estate. It does not matter. And getting something for Rocco and not letting him walk. I'm going to give, I'm going to give Cronin the benefit of the doubt that this was the best deal out there. It doesn't mean the deal was good. It doesn't mean that it helped. It doesn't mean that you should be excited about it. Even if he did the best that he could, it means that the Blazers are in a worse spot today than they were because they, 
They didn't gain magic flexibility. Both Bledsoe and, and, and uh, Winslow have money on the books for next season. They didn't gain some promising asset unless you really are a believer in Keon Johnson. And if you're really excited about a 2025 20, second round pick, like years down the line. Instead, the Blazers got cheaper, and they got worse, and they signaled what the truth is. They're trying to lose this year. Before, they were tanking just because they're bad. This was the first real signal that the tank is on. They're playing for the pick. I'm not telling you to be excited. I'm not telling, like, I'm, I'm specifically saying I don't think you should be excited about this. I think there's a generous read to say that the Blazers got an upside player for two guys who weren't going to fit the long-term plan. But I don't think there's much more than saying, hey, maybe Keon pops. I think that's the, the most generous read you could give. Because right now the Blazers got worse and they got cheaper and they didn't. Ha they do not have a very likely path after this trade to be better in the fall. So we'll see what's next, because what ne what's next, leading the deadline, will signal what I really think about this, and we'll kind of circle back there. If you listen to yesterday's show, Waiting Your Podcast Feed right before this one, or on YouTube right before this one, I talked about Joe Cronin maybe tipping his hand and potentially building this group around CJ, Dame, and Nurk. And I don't know that this signals that that's happening, but it certainly does signal that it's not happening. I don't think anything has changed. I think that is still... Again, running it back for year seven of Damon CJ in the backcourt with whatever's next is a would be a wild proposition. And I don't think after this trade that anything has changed on that front. It certainly could happen. But this trade was underwhelming. And if you were underwhelmed, it's because this trade was underwhelming. You are reacting correctly. The Clippers got better. The Blazers got worse on purpose. Whoops. That's going to do it for this bonus episode. Uh, we'll have more coverage of the trade, more thoughts on it. Uh, couple recaps of some games on monday show make sure you listen to that this is five days a week and occasionally six days a week wherever you get podcasts so make sure you listen uh and subscribe tell your friends to do the same appreciate listening to this emergency episode talk to you soon Bye.